You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, May 15th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am very happy to be joined by Jonah Booker for his usual Friday visit. Again, real quick, we're in a competition with the Michigan site on 24-7 Sports and the Penn State site on 24-7 Sports to get the most five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you like the show, give us a five-star review. It really helps us and we'll beat the Wolverines and the Nittany Lions. If you're listening on YouTube, subscribe. That helps as well. All right, let's get to matters of business, my friend. J-Book, we asked the front row message board subscribers for questions, and they did not disappoint. We're going to start right at the top. MN Bucks, I'm guessing that's Minnesota Bucks. MN Bucks, I could be wrong. MN Bucks wants to know how many games we attend each year. How many Ohio State football games we attend in person each year? J-Book, you go first. Yeah, with me being on the West Coast about 1,600 miles away, um, I try to catch a game. Uh, if they're playing in closer uh, distance, at least once a, once a year or so. But more realistically, we're talking about, you know, once every two years. If I was living in Ohio, that would be a definitely different story. Um, but I was looking forward to going, toward, going to the Oregon game this year. That was going to be my annual trip. But it looks like that may not be happening uh, what I've typically been doing is being able to meet halfway and go to the Big Ten Championship in Indy. Uh, obviously, if they're playing out here in the Fiesta Bowl um, in Glendale, then that's a game that I would catch. But for the most part, I try to catch at least a game, you know, once a year, depending on where it's at, Big Ten Championship, or if they have somewhere out west, uh, if not more realistically, every other year. I'm on the beat, so people listening to the show probably figure I go to every game. But I don't because what I do is my job post game is to analyze what happened in the game. And I go to most of the games. I go to the home games. I don't go to most road games. I've been, you know, through my career, I've been to every Big Ten stadium. I've been to several road games. But right now, my job is to write what we learned after the game, an analysis piece. And sometimes I think I'm in the minority here. Sometimes I think I'm in the majority. I see the game so much better on TV. And, you know, when I am uh, covering a game in person from the press box or on the field, you know, I can do a pretty good job with my post-game column. Uh, When I'm at home, I feel like I do a better job. And it's interesting. So, you know, I I haven't missed a bowl game in many, many years. But certain games, you know, road games, I will just cover, quote-unquote, from home. We're fortunate that we have a deep bench here. Guys like Steve Hellwagon and Patrick Murphy are always on site. A lot of times I'm joining them. Gary House do as well. So, um, yeah, I just feel like I see the game a lot better on TV. There's things you can't get on TV that you can get in person, as we all know. You can't see passing plays develop on TV. That's one of the things I love seeing football games in person. You can't get the atmosphere. I get all that. But overall, as an analyst, I see the game a lot better on TV. All right, next one. 
All right. Jay Book, how do you feel? This is from Buck Ahead. How do you feel that he says John the Baptist? I think he probably means Javante Jean Baptiste. <laughs> how will Javante Jean Baptiste, Jay Book, perform on the D-line the next couple of years? I think he's going to be one of the, the younger guys that's next in line with being a premier pass rusher. The thing about this kid always coming in, make no mistake about it, was he had an explosive first step getting off the football. You can see it early on in his career. The issue was that he was a he was very small. At one point, he was considered a tweener because they didn't know how big he can actually get. Uh, would he be uh, a defensive end getting after the quarterback, or would he be uh, pushed back a little bit at outside linebacker? But fortunate for uh, Ohio State, uh, the kid really worked his butt off with Coach Mick and the strength and conditioning program, and he was able to put on the much-needed weight that they were looking for out of him. And he was a kid that, that, that played fairly fairly amount of snaps um, as a guy that was considered a project, a late flip from Nebraska. So I think this kid has uh, a tremendous ceiling. I think he's going to be a kid that will need to continue to come along. Ohio State, they're going to continue to uh, recruit high-end guys. I think he's still going to be behind in the second-team rotation, but the way that Larry Johnson rotates his defensive ends, he should get a considerable amount of reps, uh, more than he's seen recently. But, he's like I said, he's still played. I just think that he's going to continue to get better because he was, a, he was considered early on in the project, but Larry Johnson has done a really good job developing his game. Very well said. We will move on to the next question because I couldn't say it any better than you just articulated. Next question is from Buckeye13625. Buckeye13625 asks, Jay Book, if the Pac-12 is in trouble of not having a season and the remaining Power 5 conferences play in a conference-only season, how does that affect the playoff committee's selection process? Could we see an expanded version of the playoffs? Um, if you listen to Bill Hancock, um, the guy who's kind of in charge of the whole playoffs thing, he has pretty much said that their date is set. They will have uh, a playoff some, somewhere form. If you're a Pac-12 fan or a Pac-12 player, team, parent, I would be very concerned about what's going to happen with them. If you had to ask me today, I don't think the Pac-12 was going to play football, Dave. If you look what, look at what the L.A. County uh, mayor has, has issued, basically – they're out of commission for another three months. Um, there a lot of talk out here on the West Coast is that um, USC, they're going to move down to Orange County and still practice because they, they can't get the appropriate practice in uh, that they would need. A lot of talk from the West Coast is they're going to stick to a um, Pac-12 only type of schedule and not play out of conference. And I know Colin Cowher has said that there's no – he's saying that his sources are telling him that USC-Alabama game early on is going to be canceled. Uh, if there is a situation where there is no – I feel there will be enough conferences and teams being played that they will still have a playoff format. I mean, if you really look at the situation, Oregon is probably only the, the actual legit – contender out of the Pac-12. They're consistently left out of the picture for the last several years, and I believe Ohio State was going to deal them by early blow, and it'd just be contingent on how they're going to be able to recover, especially breaking in with a new quarterback. Uh, so to me, I think if you, have a, if you have the Big 12, Big 10, SEC, and ACC all playing, 
they will still have an actual playoff. You would just see a situation where the Pac-12 will probably be left out of the bowl picture. So more teams will probably get more at-large bids, and you'll probably see a lot more mid-major teams being kicked up a notch. So many great questions. We've already hit on some of them. We're going to hit on the rest of them. All of these questions are great. The next one I will take first, but I'm really curious to get your take on it, considering you played football in the Mid-American Conference. This question comes from Spokane Brutus. Do you think we should give conferences like the MAC, the Mountain West, and other group of five schools their own championship? My answer to that is hell yes. Like I, There's a lot of examples we could give, but I'm going to give the example of Western Michigan in 2016, very recent, PJ Flex last year at Western Michigan. They went 12-0, actually 13-0, uh, including the MAC championship. And then they went to the Cotton Bowl, and they lost a close game to Wisconsin, 24-16. to Now, for Western Michigan, that was basically like a national championship. I'd rather win a national championship, though. I'd rather win, like, you know, call what I would – what I would do is have the Power Five conferences be Division One. What is the group of five conferences would be 1AA. What's now 1AA, I'd move to Division Two so forth, you know, we'd have a total of four divisions, which we do anyway right now, by the way. Just Division Three is called Division Three, even though it's really Division Four. Division Two would move to Division Three. Same thing. But yes, I would like to see the group of five. You know, if you're a great team in the MAC, I'd rather be playing for a national championship in quote-unquote one double-A than really have no chance of winning a national championship. But I did not play football in the MAC. You did. What's your take, Jay Book? I absolutely think this should happen. And I think it would be a huge boom for all parties involved here. What, you would, what I would like to see is you take, um, you know, that next tier of guys and you create a 16-team playoff. You package that into a TV rights deal. What, what is the excuse that you hear about the lower level guys? They desperately need those paydays when it comes to getting their brains beat in in those playing those big marquee games, meeting a Bowling Green playing at Ohio State. They rely on that funding. You can create another tier of funding for those next-level guys if you create their own separate pay playoff. If the other lower-level divisions can do it, they can absolutely do it here. What you do is the higher-ranked teams get the home field advantage so that you're not requiring fans to travel because half of those stadiums will be empty if you're asking them to play at neutral site fields. You play at the home fields. You rotate, you have the brackets. Now, what you're looking at is a very competitive bracket here. If you look at a Louisiana Tech there, it's 11-3 program from last year that was playing outstanding football. Uh, Appalachian State, you mentioned Western Michigan from years ago. Um, and you can just go down the list. You have Navy and Army who's been very competitive over the last couple of years. If you, if you have a, a bracket with those guys, one, Las Vegas will absolutely love it because it, it will create a, an additional huge betting tier. A lot of people love betting on those Mac Tuesday night games. And then you throw in the fact that these guys will be able to separate themselves. These, these programs have no shot of winning uh, a college football playoff championship. They have no shot of going to the playoffs. They may get lucky and sneak into – a New Year's Six Bowl if they're very good. But for the most part, you're going to have a grouping of, you know, five to eight teams that's going to be hovering in between uh, being a top 20 team to a top 40 team. So if you can get those all of those teams into a, a playoff here and see who's the king, 
I think it will also boost the branding for those programs because if you look at, let's say, um, let's say Appalachian State, they're everybody knows Appalachian State is a solid football program, but you win that playoff and do you turn around and parlay that into winning a game, let's say, in the swamp the next year, it creates a branding for that particular program. Now, if, if one of those guys get to get lucky one year and they're good enough to be in the playoff, then you put them in a the playoff and you just move the next team up. I think, I think it would be a, a great opportunity for all parties involved as well as college football if they can kind of separate themselves. Well said and great question from Spokane Brutus. Next great question is from Stony Rock. Jay Book, did you get to watch Jack Miller in high school since you live in Arizona? Do you think Jack Miller will be able to be Ohio State's backup quarterback this year despite not having enough practice due to the virus? Let me tell you about Jack Miller. The kid is the real deal. I've seen him play several times. The problem that you have with Jack Miller is he's dealt with a lot of injuries and has cut a lot of football out. Of his, of his high school career. When he is healthy and he's on top of his game, he is one of the best passing quarterbacks on the West Coast. Jack took a knock, um, you know, recently in his rankings and everything because of the injuries. Uh, with that being said, he's going to have a stiff competition with C.J. Stroud. The thing that you like about Jack is he's, he's very mature when it comes to his actual body. He's a bigger kid. I think C.J. Stroud definitely needs to get a little bit bigger, a little bit stronger. He's a, both guys are really good passers, but I think it's going to be a nice competition. It really hurts those guys that they're not on campus competing in spring and getting those actual long reps. So they're going to have to dog it out, um, especially when it comes to the fall practice. Now, I wouldn't be surprised if you see, you know, Gunnar Hoke or somebody that's ahead of them in the fall, just because they're still going to be eating those younger guys in there. But when it comes to pure talent, Jack. Jack Miller's the real deal. He is the real deal. And there was one point to where he was trending, like he was going to be one of the top quarterbacks in, in, in his class until uh, his season got derailed with the injuries. But if you look at his game, he can stand in the pocket. He can make all the throws. He's mobile enough with his legs that he can get himself out of trouble. And the guy is a fierce competitor. You ask anybody around the Chaparral program or out here in the Valley, and they will tell you that Jack Miller is a heck of a leader. You want that out of your quarterback. It's amazing they landed both Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud in the same class. I mean, this unbelievable run for Ohio State quarterbacks that really started also, with – we'll, yeah, just, we'll just keep going. Go ahead. I was just going to say, and you think about it, and you look at the way recruiting has gone in the last several years, the day and age, usually kids shy away from competition. They want to transfer out whenever somebody comes in, especially at a premier position like the quarterback. Jack – Miller, he was completely opposite. He's running towards the competition. And that's what you want to see out of kids, kids that are not afraid to compete. And that's what you're getting out of Jack Miller because a lot of people thought that he was on decommit watch when things start to heat up with C.J. Stroud. But that was totally the opposite. Jack Miller said that he was going to work even harder. and He embraces the competition. So when you can get your quarterback who's willing to compete, now he, he may not ever play at Ohio State, but he has a darn good shot of playing. If you come in with a mentality that I'm going to compete and earn everything that I got, I would take those type of kids who are ready to go to war with you anytime. Next question comes from Gessig. 
He asks, Jay Book and Dave, due to the COVID-19 pandemic, do you think several draft-eligible players nationwide will be compelled or convinced by family and friends to bypass the 2020 college football season and prepare for the 2021 NFL draft? I can go first on that. After talking to Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis yesterday, and this is great news out there because I was wondering the same thing, and they don't speak for every college football player, but I imagine they speak for most of them. And most college football players have the same point of view. And Josh Myers and Wyatt Davis could not play football this year. They will get drafted and early in the 2021 draft. Um, They're both adamant they want to play. I can't imagine a guy like Trevor Lawrence at Clemson wouldn't want to play his final season, you know, junior, but his final season. I can't imagine Justin Fields at Ohio State wouldn't want to play his final season, junior, but final season. So my answer to that is, no, I don't think no, – they might be compelled. There might be certain kids that are, you know, might sit out here and there, but I think that's going to be the exception to the rule. I think the vast majority of kids who know that they're going to be taken in the 2021 NFL draft at some point still want to play this season. If you're Josh Myers, you might think, yeah, I'll get drafted, but I want to I play because I love football, and I want to work myself into a first-round pick or a second-round pick. Same thing with Wyatt Davis. So, Jay Book, what's your thoughts on that? I agree. I don't think you're going to see a situation like that. Um, the thing that you that you want to look at is is where would the guy get drafted at? I mean, there there's there's going to obviously pre mock drafts where they believe this guy or that guy is a first round talent. If you look at Jamar Chase, the wide receiver from LSU, could he be a guy to sit out and still be drafted in the top ten, top fifteen? Maybe. Um, I would say probably more than likely yes, but. These kids are competitors. They, they love playing football. I mean, if you ask any, you know, 19, 20-year-old right now, would you rather go hang out with your buddies on campus and, and have another year with them or sit around at home for another year and, and waiting for your name to be drafted and, and have to just sit on the sidelines when you really don't have to? You know, 99.9% of those kids are going to say yes. Now, the situation that you could find yourself in is, if guys are desperate financial and they have, you know, financial hardships or family hardships, every guy has different situation. If they're going to be a, you know, first two round, three round pick, you could see a significant amount of guys higher than normal going into the supplemental draft. Um, and especially, let's say you're a Pac-12 guy and they tell you you're not going to be able to play football this year, but you're projected to go in the, in the top two rounds you would need to make a decision. Do I want to transfer out and hope that the NCAA grants me eligibility or will I go ahead and throw my name into the NFL supplemental draft and go get paid? I may not get make as much money um, as I would if I, if I had played a full senior year or junior year, rest or junior year, but I'm still going to make some money and I'm also going to get started on, on that first contract a year ahead of time than what I was actually projecting. Next question is kind of along the same lines. This is from Fox R two thousand one. Fox R two thousand and one. He's asking Jay Book. You know, I've heard some rumblings that Sean Wade could be considering entering the supplemental draft this summer. The NFL supplemental draft could be a lot more robust than usual. Um, have you heard anything similar, Jay Book? Do you think there's a chance Sean Wade would enter the supplemental draft this summer? I haven't heard anything, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule anything out. Anything can actually happen, especially with a, a talent like Sean Wade, who's going to be able to, you know, go into a first round. Getting, he's going to get a first round grade. Will it be the best decision? 
it just depends on if there's going to be football because if there's going to be football play, a play, then Sean Wade can arguably be one of the, the top corners off the board. And if you tell me that Damon Arnett's going to go in the first round, I'm absolutely going to tell you that Sean Wade is a first-round lock, um, especially with his length and his, and his fluidity in the hips and be able to turn and run and also with the ability to play inside on the slot. So with his versatility, he's absolutely going to be in the first round. If he goes into the supplemental draft, he will absolutely be picked. But if he has an outstanding year and he's on an island on the outside at Ohio State where he's projected to be, he will make a whole lot more money if he stayed and they played a season. But I think they, they don't have to make that decision until later on this summer. Starts will all be contingent on if there's a football season. But if there's not a football season, then I have no problem with Sean Wade throwing his name in there and going to get paid right now. We've got two more questions to get to. This one's from Kurt Kevin. Jay Book, if the Pac-12 does not play, but Arizona schools want to, how could they make up those games with not having nine conference games? I just think they will have a shortened season. I, I think the mentality is we would rather have something rather than nothing. You could see a situation where the, the two Pac, uh, Arizona schools somehow figuring out a way to get Notre Dame on a schedule and then dealing with the, the other independents such as a a BYU or, or the, and find, just finding holes where other, other teams outside of the Pac-12 can't play. Um, but I, I think they will find a way. I don't think they will get a full 12 games if the Pac-12 doesn't play. But I think they will find a way to get some form of football in one way or the other. The last of these great questions. This is from One Bad Buck. By the time the 2021 class is gone, you can say 2024, 2025, whatever you want to put on, fifth year seniors, 2026. By the time the 2021 class is gone, if Ryan Day does not have a national championship at Ohio State, how would you classify his tenure? If he doesn't have a national championship, I think it would be a disappointment because you're talking about the 2021 class historically being the greatest Ohio State recruiting class in the history of recruiting rankings. And you back that up with the class that they had last year. The talent is there. Um, you, got, you got very close your first year, and you're arguably going to have a better roster in the future. So the, the situation is, is you have to be able to coach these guys up. Ohio State is vastly superior when it comes to top-to-bottom roster talent in the Big Ten. The thing that Ohio State has to be able to do is win that next game, which is the playoff game, that first round. Once they do that, I think if you give Ryan Day and his staff, you know, a couple weeks to prepare for the national championship, I think they will get the job done. There's, there's only a handful of teams in college football that has the talent that Ohio State has. You look at Alabama, Clemson, you can make an argument for LSU and Georgia, even though Georgia – coaches considerably hold them back with their outdated um, schemes and play calling. But there's not a lot of teams in college football that has the talent that Ohio State has. So if you're to ask me four years from now, if Ryan Day doesn't have a national championship with the talent that he's coming in, I would say it's a disappointment. The expectations at Ohio State is to win a national championship, and Ryan Day would tell you that. The, the, obviously, the goal every year is to beat Michigan, but if, he, if he's a consistent you know, 
ten and two, eleven and one with with wins against Michigan, it will soften the blow. But by no means, if you look at the talent they're bringing in, there should not be a national championship at least hanging up in the banners within the next four years. That's exactly right. I agree with you 100%, and I don't feel bad saying it. You know why? And you even touched on this. I agree with you. You know who else would agree with us? Ryan Day. <laughs> I am sure Ryan Day is sitting there. He would never admit this to the media. Why would you put a target on your back? If we're sitting here in 2025 and Ryan Day hasn't won a national championship at Ohio State, he'll be more disappointed than anybody. So, yeah, it would be disappointing. It doesn't mean I would need to see what happens. It doesn't mean his tenure would be a failure. I agree with you. It would be disappointing if he has not won a national title by 2024, 2025, whatever, whatever year you want to put on. Man, he came damn close to winning one last year. They should have won that Clemson game. And I think LSU, you know, I, I think it was LSU was just a destiny team. But, you know, Ohio State at least should have been in the national championship game last year. So he came really close his first year to winning it all. So I think he would agree with us, Jay Book. I think he'd be the first one to say if, we're, if he was, had some truth serum, Jay Book, I think he would say, yeah, I'd be disappointed if we're sitting here in 2025 and I haven't won a title. I, I agree. I mean, the talent is so overwhelming superior than everyone that they're going to play against. I mean, that, that, when, when you come to Ohio State and you look – I know we joke around and, you know, we poke fun at Michigan – and, you know, we, we like to tout how much better we're recruiting against Michigan. But the reality, the reality is Michigan's a has-been. They're dominated. They're a squash bug on the windshield. What we're chasing is Clemson. We want the big dogs. Alabama, Clemson, mm-hmm. LSU, Georgia, that's who we should be chasing and banging against because when it's all said and done, those are the teams that you're going to face in the 14th playoff, one of those other four programs. If somebody else sneaks in there, Good. Let, let us play them because Ohio State's going to smack them. Just like I, if Ohio State would have played Oklahoma in the playoffs, they'd have ran through them too. So you look at those top five teams, and Ohio State is in that tier. And if you had to tell me, I would say Ohio State is right there, obviously, neck and neck with Clemson. I think, I think Alabama's going to be on a slight downslide as Saban's getting long in the tooth there. I'm not convinced LSU's going to be any better than what you saw this past year. They had a complete – coaching overhaul. I'm not convinced that Ed Orgeron is a genius. I think he hit, he had lightning in the bottle with Joe Brady there, who was able to be a flash in the pants there. And then Georgia, until Kirby Smart decides to open up the offense, they're going to be hamstrung. So if you look at Ohio State, I think it's going to be them and Clemson for the foreseeable future banging against each other. Fantastic knowledge, as always, from Jonah Booker. Thank you very much, Jay Book, here on the Bucknuts Morning almost 30. Again, if you like the show, give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps. And if you're listening on YouTube, subscribe. Thanks again to Jay Book and thanks to all the listeners out there for tuning in the show. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's say that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, 
two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search The Rest is Football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Beats. <laughs> 